We're going to talk about Judas today. Hang on, I'll be right back. Blessings to you and welcome to Walk in the Word. I'm your host, Robin Boone. Thank you for stopping by for these next minutes. I pray that you will be blessed, that you will grab your Bibles, and let's do this. We are talking about Judas today, and he's been on my mind since I heard a message from one of uh, my church's pastors and on Sunday evening. She uh, taught a lesson, the first part of a lesson, on repentance, and uh, she talked about Judas. And then I was, I had been pondering that and pondering that and thinking about him and just thinking about what he did, how he, how his life, how his life ended. And then uh, another pastor from my church talked about not Judas, but shame and really living and walking in the presence of God. And I said, okay, I really got to do this. So I have just spent the last several days thinking about Judas, reading about Judas, and I really want to share with you some of the things that uh, I have seen and gleaned from the Word of God. And I want to use that also to encourage you in your walk with God, even if you don't know the Lord, even if you are not saved or have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior at this time, there's still hope for you. And there is even hope for us, those of us who are saved and are living with shame or guilt. So we're going to go there. Okay, uh, I may be a little all over the place, but what I want to do first is just read. Um, I want to read this uh, scripture in John. Okay, in the book of John. And we are, give me just a sec, I've lost my page actually. Um, as we know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those were the religious leaders of that day. They hated Jesus because what, what he was doing was in his goodness and in all the miracles and in reaching the people and, and really changing lives and changing hearts, he was pulling people away from their religious teachings from their their man-made doctrines he was actually calling people away they were willingly leaving um, everything and following him and so they were angry and over a period of a few years of course they were at the place where they're like you know what we have got to find a way to kill this man we got to end this okay so it it so happened that uh, there was going to be a traitor within the 12 disciples. And some of some of us know who that traitor 
was, even, even those who don't know the Bible, um, know that Judas was a traitor. So here we go. Um, Jesus is <clears throat> on his way, you know, on his way to where he is going to be crucified, where he's offering up himself. And so, um, he gets to Bethany. I'm going to read this. So I'm in John chapter 12. Okay. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now we've heard so much about uh, Mary breaking the alabaster box and pouring the oil over Jesus' feet and wiping his feet with her hair. There's even a song about Mary's alabaster box. Um, It's by C.C. Winans. If you don't know, go find that song. It's absolutely beautiful. All right. So, but that's not where we're going to start. Verse four. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, 300 denarii is about a day's wage or was about a day's wage in that time. So he's saying, we could have sold this and given this to the poor. Now, Judas didn't care about the poor. Okay, he didn't. And then verse six actually says that he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag, oh my God, and would steal part of what was put in it. I have to make a note here because as I read that, oh wow, something was just revealed to me. So verse seven, Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Okay. So that is, um, Judas had already had already had some issues. He he was a thief. He was stealing. So he was not concerned about the poor. Like the word said, the Bible says that he already was stealing money. So if they had sold that money, I'm sorry, if they had sold that oil, Uh, that was poured out from the alabaster, from Mary's alabaster box, if they had sold that oil and gotten the day's wages and put it in the bag, Judas would have stolen that money. Okay. All right. So now it is time for Jesus to be, to go to the cross and they get to the place that's been designated um, for the disciples to come together with Jesus to have um, their supper before Passover, okay? So it was time for supper. I'm now in John chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2, now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. You think Jesus knew that? Yet look what he does. Jesus, in verse 4, got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel around him. And I'm going to skip to verse 10. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. He's talking to his 12 disciples and he's letting them know, I already know that one of you is going to betray me. For he knew, verse 11, it's right here, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay, let's skip down to verse 18. Jesus is talking. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens. So then when it does happen, you will believe that I am he, the son of God, the Messiah. All right. Now, verse 21, when, and I'm going to hurry this along. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And then the disciples started looking at each other like, who is who, who? So, and then Jesus tells them the one that I give the bread after I dip it in the sop. So he dipped it, gave it to Judas. Judas ate the piece of bread. When he ate it, the Bible says Satan entered into Judas. Judas had already decided, Satan had already uh, put that idea in in, uh, Judas's mind that he was going to betray. I'm going to betray Jesus. He's just giving away this money and doing all these things and, and, He's taken away my uh, ability to, to, to steal. We don't have any money. Okay? So, Jesus told Judas, whatever you're doing, do it quickly. Go. And then the, the disciples, they were clearly clueless. They didn't know. They thought he was sending Judas to go buy since Judas was the one who held the money bag. They thought Judas Jesus was telling Judas to go, you know, go buy something. Go give the money to the poor or something like that. Okay. So what happens is, let me just, um, go quickly here. What happens is Jesus, Judas goes to the, the Pharisees, the sad, he goes to the high priest, the Pharisees, Sadducees who are already ready, trying to find a way to kill him. Judas shows up like, Oh, and then he there, he's like, what can I, what will you give me? This is Jesus. What will you, I'm sorry, Judas, Judas says to these, um, Pharisees and Sadducees, what? Well, he, what will you give me to betray Jesus? So they gave him 30 pieces of silver. 
So Judas, he's got it now. He's got the money. You know, he's all about the money bag. So he gets that. He betray. He knows where Jesus is going to pray because Jesus is on his way to the cross. And, you know, he goes to pray first to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas knows where he's going. So when after Jesus finishes praying, he tells his disciples, my time has come. Judas shows up in the garden of Gethsemane with these religious leaders and Roman soldiers. And Judas tells the the religious leaders, the one I betray, he's the one that you need to arrest and take away is the one that I give a kiss to. So in this garden with all these soldiers and religious leaders and 12 and 11 of Jesus' disciples and Jesus, Judas goes to Jesus and kisses him. And then the soldiers know who to arrest. This is amazing. They know who to arrest. Jesus calls in one of the gospels, Jesus calls Judas friend. When Judas gets to Jesus, he says to Judas, the betrayer, friend, why have you come? Now, Jesus already knows, right? But he calls him friend. And then, you know, Jesus is taken away and and all of that. And once Judas understands, now now time has elapsed. Jesus is being um, tried. And when they decide that they are going to crucify or they're going to take Jesus to have him killed, to the Roman officials, Jesus, Judas realizes what he has done. He realizes that they are going to put an innocent man to death. So he goes, he, the Bible says he is full of remorse, full of remorse. And remorse is, uh, according to the APA, American Psychological Association Dictionary, remorse is a strong sense of guilt and regret for past action. So he was full of remorse. So he goes to this religious leaders and he says to them, listen, I have betrayed an innocent man. Oh my God, what have I done? And you know what they tell him? He first, they tell him, look, that is your problem. Deal with it. So Judas throws the 30 pieces of silver down at their feet and he goes off and kills himself. All right. So what I want to get to here, and um, I'm getting excited because this is really, really a place where God doesn't want us to get to the place where we are so full of remorse and so full of guilt and shame that we go off and some people do take their own lives because they have done things and they can't, they think there's no hope for redemption, that they're, that it's just going to be downhill from there and possibly will be, but they just decide that this is enough. This is the end. And that's what Judas did. But I want to bring out here what Satan did to Judas. Now, Judas was, he wasn't, he wasn't a good man. We, we already read, you know, I made the point that he was a thief. He was stealing money. He was from Jesus now. Jesus who was raising the dead, healing the sick, um, giving sight to the blind, causing uh, limp limbs to come to life and giving people hope. You know, this was Jesus. He didn't get it. He didn't get that this was the actual Messiah. So, because he was so blinded by his own sinfulness, 
um, so what happened was when he uh, realized that he was actually sending, he was responsible for sending Jesus to the cross. That's what he thought. He thought he was responsible because Jesus says that he laid his own life down, but Judas didn't know that. He didn't understand it. He didn't grasp it. He didn't internalize. It was Jesus who laid his life down. Jesus says in the garden when uh, one of his disciples cuts off one of the, the uh, one a person's ear. I forgot the, the person that it was, but he cuts off his ear. Jesus says, don't you know? Put that, Peter, stop. Put your sword away. Don't you know that I can call legions I can call down 10,000 angels to rescue me don't you know all I can do is speak a word and I will be out of here I can deliver myself I don't need you because what I don't need you to deliver me because the he who uses the sword lives by the sword will die by the sword so Jesus laid it down so what happened was Judas was overcome with so much guilt so much guilt. And let me share, share what guilt means from that same source. It is characterized by a painful appraisal of having done something that is wrong. And then what characterizes guilt is that that person will go and try to mitigate the wrong. They'll try to get it right. Okay. Shame. And this is what had captured Judas, there is an additional strong fear of one's deeds being publicly exposed to judgment. So what happened was Satan capitalized on Judas's feeling of guilt and shame and remorse. Judas was already undercover stealing and not knowing that Jesus already knew everything, right? He was already dealing with guilt from stealing from his master, his teacher. He was already dealing with guilt because he was stealing from him. He was stealing from the disciples. He was stealing the money that the people were giving as offerings. He was doing that. And then he goes and betrays his master, an innocent man, Jesus Christ. He goes and betrays him. And he has to deal with the guilt of that. He didn't know that they were actually going to put him to death. He must have just thought, you know, they're going to take him to prison, exile him or something. But when he found out that they were actually going to send him to his death, they were were going to use all whatever they could to have him put to death. He just couldn't handle it. And what Satan did was he capitalized on that feeling of remorse. And when he capitalized on that, Judas could not handle. He couldn't handle the grief, the guilt, the remorse. Now listen, there was hope for Judas. There was hope for Judas, but he didn't see it. He felt hopeless, like there was no way. Like everybody was going to know it was him and all eyes would be on him. 
He was concerned for himself and the enemy, Satan, capitalized on that and released all sorts of guilt and demonic oppression, so much so that Judas couldn't take any more and he ended his own life tragically. And the fact that the Bible says all of his intestines were exposed when he went and hung himself shows me that all of Judas, all of him, could find no place of hope, no place of repentance. Judas could have repented. Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. He felt remorse, but he went and wept. And then he found a place of hope and repentance because his heart was ready for that. Judas's heart was not. And so I want to encourage us when we feel, first of all, if we're living lives of sin and we have some things going on that we know are not right, we need to get right with God. We need to repent. We need to turn away. We need to push back on those things and deny ourselves and get our hearts right with God so that when trials come and we may do something else, we won't feel a sense of hopelessness and shame so much so that we can't deal with it. And we decide to maybe not take our lives, but we decide to do other things that cause us to run away from God. He is right here waiting for us to come to him. Listen, we can do all kinds of wrong and God is still ready to receive our repentance. He's ready. He's ready to receive it. The guilt and the shame. Listen, if you're living and you have this sense of shame around you because of what you've done or what others have done to you, you. If you are living with that shame, you can take that shame to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will take it from you. If you release it to him and you repent, even if it's not your fault, the The things that you feel because of that guilt and because of that shame God will take that and he will redeem it. He will redeem you and he will show you his love that he has for you. And he doesn't want you living in shame or guilt or feeling remorse anymore. God can clean that up. We feel shame because we're doing things secretly. We feel guilt because we're doing things secretly. Nobody knows. We think nobody knows, just like Judas thought nobody knew. But God knows. And I'm not saying that to say he's there watching you and waiting for you and waiting for the time where he can expose you. No, that's not God. What he's doing is waiting for you to come to him and and um, offer those things to him and say, Lord, listen, I've been doing this in secret and I, I, I'm guilty of it. And I feel this shame and I feel this remorse. I need you. I need you to forgive me and to help me. We don't have to end up like Judas to commit suicide. We don't have to have a physical death by suicide. We can commit suicide 
by running from God, by allowing the enemy to capitalize on our guilt and on our shame. Go ahead and give what you feel shame about to the Lord. Go ahead and give what you feel guilt about to the Lord. Go ahead and give it to him. In other words, you can right now, even if you have to stop this podcast episode and sit there or stand there or park your car and say, Lord, I have been doing this and I know it's wrong. And I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel remorse. And I've been running from you and I've been trying to cover it up. I've been trying to make it seem like I've been smiling all along and making it seem like I'm doing everything right. But Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you and I need you to clean me up. I need you to forgive me. Lord, I repent. I turn from that thing and I give it to you. I agree with you that I have been wrong and I need you to cleanse and wash me. Wash me so that I can truly be a part of you and not feel separated from you. Oh Lord, I need you now. You know, God is there waiting for you to do that. So I'm going to end this uh, episode now. Just remember, just remember that God desires repentance. You don't have to live in shame or guilt anymore. You you don't have to give the devil another moment, another second. Go ahead and expose yourself to God. He can handle it and he loves you completely and totally. Let him have it. Let him love you. Let him restore you. Amen. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the inspiration you gave me through my church pastors. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting me know that I don't have to live in shame or guilt. That I have hope that there's a remedy and that remedy is Jesus Christ. He is the balm And Gilead, he's the comforter. And I thank you for allowing me to share this message, God. And I pray, Lord, that those who are struggling with shame and with guilt and feeling terrible about the things that they're trying to hide, that they've been hiding and hiding from, maybe years and years of trauma and the and the effects of it god i pray lord that they would open up to you yeah they may be going to counseling and that's cool but lord i pray that they would open up completely to you because then they will experience the freedom that goes beyond being in the, in a therapist's office the freedom that goes down to the very depths of their being. God, have your way in their lives. Have your way. Thank you. Yes, thank you for therapists and counselors and coaches. Thank you most of all for you because you can clean us up in a way that not one human being can do. Get the glory in every life. 
I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, I know this has gone a little long and I had an alarm go off on my phone, which I thought I turned off. So I had to start over real quickly. So I apologize for that little break, but um, I didn't want to break the flow. So I just kept it moving. So I do want to let you know that you can leave me a message. You can contact me. You can let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear what you're thinking, whether it's you think I'll like it or not. That's not the issue. I'd love to hear from you. So you can reach me uh, at email at walkinthewordwithrobin at gmail.com. You can catch me on social media. God bless you and enjoy your day. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.